Well, welcome to Aspen Chapel's podcast on today, Sunday, the 25th of September. And it's a rather special day today because we're having a harvest festival. Um, And we're going to be telling the story of Frederick. And then there'll be a a ritual whereby we'll be gathering harvested goods and making a great pot of them together. You'll be able to hear the bones of that during this podcast. But if you'd like to see the ritual in action, just go to our website, go to previous services at the top of the page, and you can see the whole thing all the way through together. Frederick by Leo Leone. All along the meadow where the cows grazed was an old stone wall. Long ago, A farm family had lived, but they moved away a long time ago. The barn stood empty. The granary no longer held any grain. And in the wall lived a family of mice. Winter was on its way, and the little mice worked hard to gather in for the winter. Corn and nuts they placed in their little coffer. They all worked hard, except for Frederick. Frederick, they said, why aren't you working I am working, said Frederick. I gather the rays of the sun, for winter is cold and dark. Well, the little mice continued to gather the food, bringing in the corn and the nuts, and they would look at Frederick again. Frederick, what now? Frederick said, I gather the colors because winter is dark. And he gathered the colors of the flowers. Well, the little mice continued to gather the corn and the nuts. This time, when they returned, it looked as though Frederick was sleeping. Frederick, are you dreaming, they said. Oh, no, said Frederick. I am gathering words, for winter is long, and we'll run out of stories to tell each other. And so, winter was indeed just around the corner. And as the snow started to fall, As the snow started to fall, the little mice prepared to gather together in their hideout in the stones.
At first, oh, there was plenty to eat. Corn and nuts. They laughed together. They told stories. They told stories about the silly foxes and the foolish cats. But little by little, the food was eaten down until soon there was very little left. And then they remembered Frederick. They remembered Frederick gathering sun rays and colors. Frederick, they said, what about your supplies? Frederick said, close your eyes and keep them closed and imagine in your mind. Now I bring you the rays of the sun. Do you feel their warmth? They did feel the warmth. Was it Frederick's voice? Was it a miracle? What about the colors, Frederick? Now they wanted to hear about the colors. Keep your eyes closed, said Frederick, and imagine. Imagine the blue periwinkles, the golden marigolds, the green leaves of all the flowers and trees. And in their mind, they saw rainbows of colors. Oh, Frederick, they said, what about your words? Open your eyes, he said. And then, standing tall, he looked down and, as if from a stage, said, Who scatters the snowflakes? Who melts the ice? Who spoils the weather? Who makes it nice? Who grows the four-leaf clovers in June? Who dims the daylight? Who lights the moon? Four little field mice who live in the sky. Four little field mice like you and I? First is spring spring mouse who brings on the showers. Then comes summer, painting flowers. Fall mouse is next with winter wheat and corn. And last is winter with cold little feet. Aren't we lucky the seasons are four? Think of a year with one less or one more. Why, Frederick! They exclaimed, you're a poet. Frederick blushed, bowed, and said shyly, I know it. Thank you, guys. Isn't that wonderful? Cher Coleman and uh, husband Paul built this wonderful thing. And we have our own harvest moon up there, which is looking down on us uh, as part of that. Now, we do have some um, 
childcare, really for people under the age of six, uh, uh, we haven't got ma- you know, normal childcare. So if anybody does want to go and feels that they'd like to, uh, uh, to take their children downstairs, there will be someone to look after them uh, to do that. So um, what we're going to do, we've had the story of Frederick now. And the thing is, the whole story of Frederick really says that what we harvest what we harvest doesn't have to be what we dig up in our garden or in our field. It doesn't, you know, not all of us have yards that we can grow things in. I live in a service department where you're not allowed to grow anything in the thing. You're not allowed to dig into the garden at all. But just being alive, I think the process of growing occurs. You grow something. We talk about growing bored. We talk about growing tired of life. We talk about growing spiritually. We talk about growing in maturity. There are lots of things that we cultivate in our, and I know you're all attending on this, what is going on here. So we'll, we'll just let them watch this as I could concentrate on that as we miraculously change this round. That's it. That's it. This is one of the advantages of having one of Aspen. Aspen's premier set designers as a member of our congregation. You see, there we are. <laughs> Act two. <laughs> so we talk about growing bored. We talk about growing tired. We talk about growing spiritually. There are lots of things we cultivate in our lives that if we stop and think about it, we could harvest those things. But most of the time, we're actually much too busy to stop and harvest what has been going on. Winston Churchill's famous motto, do you know what it was? KBO, keep buggering on. And that's what we tend to do in life. We move from one thing to the next without taking stock at all of what is actually going on. And that's all part of harvest, taking stock. Stop taking is to add up all that you have and then decide what to do with it. A shopkeeper will do a stock taking of what they've got in their shop. And a farmer will do the same. And we also have to take stock of our lives. We have to think carefully about a situation or event in our lives. We have to form an opinion about what's going on. And then we have to decide what to do next. So I think before we do any harvesting, we have to take stock. What is it that you've been cultivating over this last period of time? And I'm genuinely asking you to think about that. You know, what, what over the last, say, over the summer, spring, you know, what's been going on in your life? You know, what have you been cultivating? Have you been growing your family? Maybe growing your wealth. Maybe getting fit, cultivating muscle. Maybe, though, this last period has been one of anxiety or fear or grief. And that's what you can see as really all that you've been cultivating over this last period of time. And it doesn't, you know, whatever you've been growing, it doesn't have to be traditionally positive. Maybe you've been growing fat. No, Gary. 
You could never grow fat. <laughs> Maybe you've been growing contented. Maybe you've been growing angry. Think back on your mind and see, see what's there, what comes to mind. Because this is the time of the year when we take stock and we harvest our crops. We take whatever we've grown in the time of light. And spring and summer is a time of light. And we harvest that to sustain us through the winter darkness. That's what we do. We harvest what we've been growing. And, you know, that really enables us, in a sense, to complete a process without taking stock, without realizing what we've grown. We can't actually make a completion. Now, you may all ask, you know, what on earth is anxiety going to contribute to anybody? Why should I harvest anxiety? How is that going to sustain me through the winter? But first, the very act of taking stock of that anxiety and cutting it down means that you've dealt with it in a certain way, rather than just let it grow unchecked. And also, it may not be you that it helps when you take stock of your anxiety. You know, we're a community, and maybe talking about your anxiety will help others in their struggle. Everything has value if it's harvested and offered with love. Everything has value if it's harvested and offered with love. William Blake, who's the English mystic who wrote Jerusalem, said, In seed time, learn. In harvest, teach. And in winter, enjoy. In seed time, learn. In harvest, teach. And in winter, enjoy. And that is the principle of harvest. We are harvesting what we've learnt in order to produce some joy in winter, just as Frederick did. So this time of harvest is one where we gather up what we've been learning or cultivating so that we may produce joy for the winter. Joy. Joy is a key thing in the whole spiritual paradigm. It, the actual word joy means an exaltation of spirit. That's what joy means, an exaltation of spirit, where exaltation means triumph, and spirit is the animating or vital principle of man, that part of man which God has made his own image, that triumph, that part of man that God has made his own image. Therefore, joy is the triumph of the divine within us. And it is really, when you think about it, what we face, to have joy come up, it's the triumph of the divine within us. And it's used a lot in the Bible, if you think about it. There's a key passage which I think is really interesting. You know, people say, why did Jesus go to the cross? You know, what was all that about? And in Hebrews it says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and protector of our peace, who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorning shame, and sat down on the right hand of God. Joy is absolutely central. And harvest is about joy. And in the Old Testament, in Nehemiah, it says, it says, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks. Send some of those with those who have nothing. This day is sacred to the Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord. And so we are about, in this harvest, we are about creating joy. Joy, the triumph of the Spirit, that we need to sustain us through the winter. 
in seed time learn, in harvest teach, in winter enjoy. And as I said, it doesn't matter what you harvest. There's no wrong thing or bad thing. It's just what you've grown, what you've learned. So I wonder, I'm going to ask you now to think, what is it for you? What is it for you that you've been growing over the last year? I want you to have a think about it. And I want you, in your mind, I know there are lots of things you've been growing. Everyone's so busy in Aspen but, uh, and, and the Valley. But think of one thing that you have been growing over this last year. Come up with one thing. Preferably, you know, one word. I'm not going to ask you to say it out loud, so don't, don't worry. Okay, if you've thought of one thing, you'd put your hand up. Yeah, I see. Good. I'll give you a couple more. I notice a few hands not up. Okay, now, what I'm going to ask you to do is, you may think these, these items were randomly cast on the floor. Someone came and said, when are you going to clean up the floor? <laughs> I was worried that the caretaker was going to, when he was preparing the service, was going to clean it all up. But what I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to ask you to come out from your seats in a moment. And we, we made little aisles so that you can actually walk. And I want you to look round and I want you to find one item that represents that thing that you have been growing over the summer. For example, let's say it's, it's grief, for example. You may feel that your heart is a heart of stone. So you might want to pick up this stone and have that be that which represents what you've been uh, growing over the period of time. Or there's an onion here, there's a potato, there are various nuts, uh, various things. So um, I want you to come and pick one thing. And I always say this, but I know it couldn't possibly represent that thing, but if you could do it without too much fuss, it'd be easier for us. <laughs> well, I think, oh, I don't know, is it, is it carrot? Or, I think I'm more of a pine cone, whatever it is. So I would suggest if you'd like to come up, I mean, you, you don't all have to rush at once, but people can come up and gradually take things, uh, one item, and when you've taken your item, please go back to your seat again afterwards. Have a look at that object and think why, uh, why you chose that particular object. And then um, what I'm going to ask maybe just a couple of you to do is maybe put your hands up and just going to ask you what you have been cultivating over the summer and, uh, and just to give us a little bit of an idea why you've chosen that. Now, I shall now ramble for a couple of seconds just so that everyone thinks, help, I don't want to put my hand up, and encourage you to harvest the item in a deep way by, by putting your hand up. Otherwise, I might just come to you and ask you. So, uh, Susan, I'm going to have to come to you, Susan, and ask you. Kenya, are you able to say, Susan? Yes, I am. Why, why did you say why you chose that? Yeah. Um, I chose this because it represents courage to move from a lifestyle that I've had for 25 years and to pull up roots and try and start again in a new place. Brilliant, Susan. That's absolutely fantastic. A private applause, I think, there, didn't you? Anyone else like to say what. What, what they've chosen and why they've chosen that. There we are. Yes, there we are. Jessica. Here we are. I chose this potato because it looks like a heart and I grew friendship. So. 
So it looks like a heart. It means fresh. That's absolutely lovely. Thank you. Samuel, excellent. Yeah. Uh, I chose this light, bristly, bushy thing because I've been um, developing my education through this year and it's education's hard, but it's best. It's good when it's finished. Good. Thank you. Yes, here we are. I've, I've been trying to blossom my spiritual soul. Yes, that's it. Oh, that's lovely. Fantastic. Good. Somebody else. Uh, looks like I paid my family to do it over there, but I didn't. <laughs> They've had their pocket money. Yes. Um, I chose this very big thing. I don't know what it is. Um, because I've been growing full, full of love and warmth and family and literally full, too. So. It's lovely. No, I can see that. Yes, yeah. There we are. Come to you. Yeah. Now, I'll share with, Oh, this is wonderful. Sunflower. Wonderful. Now, there we are. Go on, Cher. I made a beeline for the sunflower. And it, it, uh, I've been cultivating creative community this year. And it's joyous and fantastic and never-ending. Well, I must say, you have really crazy, wonderful community with this. Absolutely fantastic with what you... Done here. Yeah, somebody else. Anybody else like to say, yes, Patty. Here we are, come over here. And can I just say, Patty produced all these vegetables, most of them, in her garden, yeah. would you believe? So, and yeah. which I'm like to say, a little advertisement here, the Four Foxes Farm. Is that absolutely right? Good. And there's a flyer downstairs for an, an event that she's going to be running. So go on. Um, Part of the inspiration for this actually came from Rudolf Steiner and the Waldorf little group yeah. that, that has formed. And all fall, I've been rolling a little verse of his around that I will share. I'm just going to share a piece of it, which is, life grows... Just a minute, let me think. <laughs> life grows more um, radiant... Life grows more radiant about me, as it has for all of us. Life grows more arduous for me. Life grows more abundant within me. Look at this. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Thank you, Patty. Thank you very much. Anybody else? Yes, I'm going to come to, to uh, over here and then to Tom. Well, mine is very fun because um, I'm sure all of my friends know that about eight years ago I lost all of my hair because I had a very bad virus uh, due to an insect bite. And over this past year, my hair has started growing, and it looks... <laughs> right now it looks like this. <laughs> it's white, which is okay because of my age, but pretty soon you're going to see me without a wig because it's growing. And nobody ever thought that the healing would take place in my body the way it has. So this is the way it looks now. And I chose this for a different reason. Um, love grows in our home. It grows deep with these roots. And it grows green with the sun up. Thank you, David. That's lovely. Oh, David, a party. That was so beautiful. Thank you. Tom, and then I'll come over here. You were going to. So I chose the manzanita branch because it was on the, one of the tables at my son's wedding. So I was growing love. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. And someone over here had their hand up. Yes, Michael. Yeah. 
I chose, oh God, <laughs> I chose to try to become more receptive to Jesus, who seems to be receptive to me, something I don't understand. Okay, anyone else burning? Someone else? Ah, yes, of course. How beautiful. What a beautiful thing. I'll, yes, I'll show it to you. Yes, it caught my eye because it was pretty. Um, <laughs> but I thought of, as I sat here, that this summer just sort of relaxation and having more of a smooth outlook on life and with my family and the people I love and just being more relaxed That's in general and open. And it's got a very smooth surface. Thank you very much. That's great. That's good. Well, thank you, guys. I so it's good to actually get some people, get some people out. Now, what are we going to do next? How are we going to harvest this? Well, I'm going to tell a story, just to give us an idea of what, of what we're about. A kindly old stranger was walking through the land when he came upon a village. As he entered, the villagers moved towards their homes, locking their doors and their windows. The stranger smiled and asked, why are you all so frightened? I'm a simple traveler looking for a soft place to stay for the night and a warm place for a meal. There is not a bite to eat in the whole province, he was told. We are weak and our children are starving. Better keep moving on. Oh, said the stranger, I have everything that I need. In fact, I was thinking of making some stone soup to share with you all. And he pulled out an iron cauldron from his cloak and filled it with water and began to build... This is a tricky bit. A fire! <laughs> and began to build a fire underneath it. <laughs> then, with great ceremony, he drew an, an ordinary-looking stone from a silk bag. And he put it in the cauldron. By now, hearing the rumours of food... Most of the villagers have come out of their homes and watched from their windows. As the stranger sniffed the broth and licked his lips in anticipation, hunger began to overcome their fear. Ah, said the stranger to himself rather loudly, I do like a tasty stone soup. Of course, Stone soup and cabbage is hard to beat. Soon a villager approached hesitantly, holding a small cabbage he'd retrieved from his hiding place, and he added that to the pot. Wonderful, cried the stranger. You know, I once had stone soup with cabbage and a bit of salt beef as well, and it was fit for a king. The village butcher managed to find some salt beef, and so it went 
through potatoes, onions, carrots, mushrooms, and so on, until there was indeed a delicious meal for everyone in the village to share. The village elder offered the stranger a great deal of money for the magic stone, but he refused to sell it and travelled on the next day. As he left, the stranger came upon a group of village children standing near the road. He gave the silken bag containing the stone to the youngest child, whispering to the group, it was not the stone, but the villagers who had performed the magic. And so what we're going to do is we're going to make our own stone soup. And what I'm going to invite you to do is, when the music starts, is to come up and put your contribution into the pot to make up your stone soup. Now, those children who chose chocolate, I'm very sorry. You have to put it back again. Or lollipop. So, what we're going to do is we are going to create that now. And so, just as you came and chose your items, come and place your items within the soup. Because, of course, it is really all these things that we have and we share with each other that will sustain us as a community through the winter. And, you know, that idea of sharing food, sharing meals, sharing ideas, sharing experiences, all those are represented by this soup, this stone soup that we're making here. There is an ancient Chinese parable but an old man who knew he would die soon. He wanted to know what heaven and hell were like. So he visited a wise man in the village to ask, can you tell me what heaven and hell are like? The wise man led him down a strange path deep into the countryside. And finally, they came upon a large house with many rooms, and went inside. And inside they found lots of people and many enormous tables with a huge array of food all over the tables. Then the old man noticed a strange thing. The people were all thin and hungry and holding spoons 12 feet long. They tried to feed themselves, but of course they couldn't get the foods into their mouths with the spoons being so long. The old man said to the wise man, now I know what hell looks like. Will you please show me what heaven looks like? So the wise man led him down the same path a little further until they came upon another large house, similar to the first. They went inside and saw many people well-fed and happy. And they too had spoons 12 feet long. This puzzled the old man and he asked, I see all these people have 12 foot spoons too, yet they are well fed and happy. Please, would you explain this to me? The wise man replied, in heaven, we feed each other. And that's what this pot represents. All we've grown over the year and all that we've now harvested and put into a communal pot to feed each other over the year by sharing amongst ourselves, sharing our wealth, 
our friendship, our anxiety, and our food, and our knowledge. All that we've learned that we might bring joy to each other as a community, to bring that triumph of the Spirit, that joy that is our strength. And we do that by feeding each other. Although we have long spoons, we just feed each other with the spoons rather than simply try and feed ourselves. And when we we exist on our own, we become thin, emaciated, and it's hell.